my name's Richard and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. Tonight is a quick start on the Kickstarter and what that means is sometimes there will be people who are running a Kickstarter campaign and they will be in the middle of their campaign and we want to find out a little bit about themselves, um, about their project and uh, you know, find out a little bit about the game, a little bit about themselves, a little bit about how they got into the hobby. So joining me today is from B-Team Games is Jason Bice. And Jason Bice is here to talk about Loot the Body, which is his uh, is his campaign, which is currently running on Kickstarter. So hello, Jason. Hey, Richard. How are you? I am. I'm very good. It's getting into the Christmas spirit. We've kind of got over the the big um, Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving to you first of all over there and over there in Americas. Um, hope you had Thank a good you. time. Um, I take it you are you still getting? Did you feast plenty? Did you are you still got some turkey left or? Oh, you we uh, we had a pretty good feast. Um, my wife and I are actually going vegan this month, so we didn't have any oh, turkey. My uh, my oh. wife made a lentil Wellington, and uh, it was really oh. good. And uh, we actually ate the last of the leftovers, I think, for for dinner yesterday. Do you was that a cho- do you miss the turkey or was that a combined choice? It was a it was a it was a choice that my wife helped me make. A, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was an instruction. Um, no, and we we don't have um, we obviously we don't have uh, Thanksgiving, but. Uh, um, for some reason, we we now have Black Friday over here, so we don't bother be, being grateful for anything. We just go out and spend lots of money on, <laughs> on, on sales and board games. So it's just uh, which is just um, which is very very nice. Um, for people that haven't listened to us before, thank you for joining us. Um, as we get into the mood, there is a small selection of leftover um, turkey sandwiches in the hallway. Right next to a couple of mince pies, uh, the Christmas tree is not yet up, but we will be putting it up soon. But in the meantime, help yourself either to some cocoa or some mulled wine. Um, The reason that we do this is quite simply because we believe in our hearts that there's quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. In fact, we're only one of two in Scotland. There's us and there's the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. So if you listen to us, you should check them out because they do an awful lot of stuff like we do, except they do it a little bit more Scottishy. Um, the other reason that we do this, as I say, we like to get um, creators like Jason on to have a chat about themselves and have a chat about their games. So without further ado, Jason, do you want to um, do you want to maybe start off the? Um, I was going to say your defence. <laughs> <laughs> The witness calls Mr. Bice. If you'd like to take the stand, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you in your cardboard journey. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the into the hobby? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like a lot of people, I spent a lot of time growing up playing card games with my family. Um, just classic stuff, spades and hearts and Uno and Skipbo and... Uh, just spent a lot of time with family, you know, taking those, those uh, Friday nights and playing games. And so grew up doing that. And then uh, when I got to college, I uh, discovered a little game called Settlers of Catan. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. It's it's not very heard of, right? I've and... no, no, no. How do you, how'd you spell that? <laughs> I, I'm I'm not sure. It's uh, it's it's foreign, so I'm not not so good with it. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, so picked that up and started playing that uh, with friends and family, and uh, moved from there to uh, to King of Tokyo, and um, yeah. found out that there was a um, a board game warehouse in the uh, in the area. It's uh, CLS Games. I don't know if you've seen them on on Board Game Geek, but um, oh yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the owner he's uh, he's here in Atlanta near where I'm near where I'm at, and so I'd go over to his house and uh, hang out in his uh, board game warehouse and just talk board games and find new things to buy and just talk mechanics and all that kind of stuff and went from went from playing games into saying you well you know I've, I've got some ideas on games myself and um started working with them and uh went from that all the way to uh to designing full games was he like 
do you know how you get and there's always some kind of this kind of thing in either like a Bond film or where there's a hero where you walk into some kind of warehouse place and they've got all the weapons out <laughs> and the guy goes from place to place and he's like, you know, this is the one if you want to blow him up at five meters, that's what you want. You want those, those are the special guns. Don't touch that button. Was he kind of like, did you walk into his yeah. warehouse and was it just like covered in games? I've, uh, I've, I've never thought about it that way, but it, it was actually very much like that. We'd walk through and I'd say, well, you know, I'm looking for something that's cooperative or I'm looking for something that's <laughs> light that I can, you know, convince my family to play as a board game. And he'd say, oh, well, let me let me show you what what's in, you know, the Final <laughs> Fantasy Silver series over here. Or check out this uh you know, checked out this Ameritrash game over here. It's got this mechanic. And so, you know, just kind of picked up a lot of vocabulary in those conversations. And um, really, I guess the the best weapon for game night, as it were. <laughs> did he, I mean, did he categorize them by, did he have a category kind of thing? Did he say, this is, this is where I keep my worker placement. This is where I keep my, <laughs> you know, this is where I keep my Ameritrash. You know, this is, this is where I keep my seventh continent. But you're not allowed to touch that one because... You can't get hold of it yet. That's right. Thing. No, he um he had them just kind of all over. Typically, um I think they were typically arranged by like publisher to to make it mm-hmm. easier for him sending them out to people. So, did it become a case that every time you walked away after spending a night with them, or spending the night, spending the evening, spending the night, and you went went home with some cardboard, kind of like the net, you know? Did did you always kind of say, oh, just take it, go on? Did you end up having a lot of purchases kind of going on after I, having a, a game? I, I, I definitely did. You know what? He um he he's famous for his Black Friday sale as well. Like he does some deep deep discounts uh, for his Black Friday sale. So I look forward to to that sale every year. <laughs> did you manage to treat yourself? Um. Well, I treat myself as well as as my wife will let me. <laughs> gotta make sure the kids need shoes and pants and you know she she likes to make sure we can you know pay the school bill so you know outside of that yeah i treat myself a little bit here and there that's just i just can't that's just that you can wear cardboard things for shoes you, yeah i keep telling her that i keep you know i've got a uh I've got a 3D printer that I use for for putting some of my pieces together. I'm like, you know, I can I can make you guys some like shoes. I can, or I can print you any what. shoes you want. They could have exactly. flash shoes. Yeah. They could have any type of shoes if they want shoes with wings on them. Exactly. You know, if they want, you know, big, you know, oh, what's wrong? Oh, I'm getting troubled at school. Well, here you are. Let me let me add a couple of inches to the the size of your shoes, so you're now <laughs> going to be an awful lot taller, so the bullies won't catch you. This is a you know, this is a an untapped kind of resource. But yeah, I suppose, <laughs> I suppose you, you get social services. <laughs> you can't you can't send your kids along dressed in magic cards. Well, okay, sorry, kind of thing. Um, was there? I mean, what was what what was the kind of the games that made you turn from somebody being like a casual kind of gamer into you know, what were your kind of your first loves? I mean, you mentioned Catan, and I'll have to look it up on Google and see what that's all about. But was there anything that kind of fired up the fired up the imagination, and you went, "Yeah, this is this is this is a hobby. I I really really like this stuff." Yeah, well, I um I played a lot of different games, um, but I'd say the first time when I thought, "Hey, you know, I I think I can design something," I was playing Castle Panic with some friends. Um, you know, yeah. it's a great game, and I'm I'm looking at it, and it was it's kind of touted as this, hey, this is kind of like a tower defense game, um, yeah. and but it's not really, it's not really like classic tower defense. And I was playing it, and I said, you know, we we could make a tower defense game, like we could we could put something together that would be like a really good tower defense game, and mm. um, so that was that was the first one that kind of sparked that this is this is worth investing some time in. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I I studied mathematics in school and I love crafting oh. things and kind of doing engineering things. Um. So mm-hmm. so once I got into designing games and researching like what it takes to do it, I was like, oh, this this kind of fits all the areas that I just really enjoy doing things. So are you, I mean, are you involved in engineering, maths, designy stuff? Is that what you do for a day a day job then? Um. I actually I work for a um I work for a small computer company. Um. Named all right. Apple. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them, um, but I, I've worked for them, I guess. Um, I, I guess have to write the them down because I yeah. keep Catan and now this Apple yeah. 
How just how is that just spelled like the fruit? It is. It is. It's just like the fruit. And um, but I've been with him for about seven years, so um, so I don't oh, get okay. to use a lot of math, but I, I do get to work mm. with technology a bunch and meet interest interesting people. So, what well, do you um are you a software engineer for them then? Oh man, if I if I was a software engineer, I um <laughs> would not need Kickstarter to print my own games. No, um, <laughs> no, I uh, I work uh, I work with with large contracts with businesses and, and support large businesses. Okay, and do they do they sell do they sell more than apples at Apple, or is I mean, is there a range of fruit that they do, or do you just stay <laughs> stay with the, the kind of the mainstay? They're big on, uh, they're big we, on mobile fruit and taking fruit with you. That's their thing. So I wouldn't have thought that would have been an innovation because your average af- apple can usually travel quite far without need for kind of a, a help or assistance with regards to transportation. I don't think they're going to be a success. I think they need to look at their business model. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> is it? I mean, um, so did that kind of spark you on to kind of from the Castle Panic side of things? Did the tower, the tower defense game? Is that? Did you move and develop that into something else? Did you start developing kind of other games, or were you constantly kind of playing games and then thinking about alternative versions that you could kind of produce? Um, the um the path that we kind of took was was from that idea to do the tower defense. I was working um I was working with different maps on that game, um, putting those together. And my daughter, who was uh I think she was five at the time, she wanted to come and play with some pieces that I was working with. You know, some bits of construction paper and hexes and things that I was working with, and yeah. and had a, a few baubles I was using for pieces. And she wanted to sit down and play with me. So we um we sat down and we grabbed a couple of dice and made a couple of quick rules on on just playing and um and it actually turned into this uh this really neat game. I adjusted a couple of rules after that, you know, playing with her and mm-hmm. um it actually turned into a game called Dragonfly Dash um that's ready for right. publication. Um yeah. we just we haven't we haven't put it out or anything like that. I'd like to get some fresh art for it, but it's a it's a simple kids game with a little layer of strategy and you, you know, you roll some dice and you make decisions on which way to go as your dragonflies are trying to get to safety and your frogs are trying to eat the dragonflies. So it's this, it's this fun game I made with my daughter. And um, that was the first one I kind of looked into getting published. Um, Uh So, so I I would say one game, you know, involved, you know, evolved into other games as I, as I kind of went through. Okay. Okay. What's kind of, What's kind of floating the boat at the moment then? I mean, what games have you been playing quite recently that you've really enjoyed? Yeah, so recently I've really been enjoying um, Clank from Renegade. Um, oh yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely good. Yeah, Renegade's been putting out some good hits. Um, Scott Gade has got got really good taste um, when it comes to to the games he's picking out. So I'm I'm loving everything they're doing. Um, I love Arcadia Quest. I love a good you know I love a good dungeon crawl. Um, yeah. I love playing D and D uh, and you know storytelling and things like that. Um, all of that kind of you know as you as you've seen in Loot the Body, you can probably see kind of the the D and D inspiration that's there and kind of the homage to to classic um, you know classic play there. Um, so all of those things are kind of the things I like to do. I don't, I don't I, as everyone I don't get to play nearly as much as I want to. You know I've got yeah. I've got three kids and um, and two of them are really young and so it's uh, it's difficult to find a game night. Um, but that's also influenced my game design as well. Like um, with Loot the Body, I mean, we kind of designed it for people that don't have a lot of time to play, but like dungeon yeah. crawls, right? So you can you can take it out of the box and have it, you know, have a dungeon ready and game ready to play in under two minutes. Um, and it's you know it's quick and easy to pick up. Those are those are the kind of the design elements that are required to get my wife involved with playing a game. <laughs> have you i mean how old is your oldest then out of the three kids yeah my my eldest is uh she's eight she'll be uh nine in january and then i've got a a three-year-old and about a 20 month old wow awesome we've uh, we started playing king domino mm-hmm. with our with our five-year-old and he loves it mm-hmm. so i don't know if i don't know if you've got that in your collection but no um, i don't have that one it's fantastic. It's well worth looking at because it's got an educational aspect to it in terms of how you mm-hmm. order the tile. And it's and uh, yeah, he's been playing that and it's been absolutely a lot of fun. And I 
we kind of play it almost kind of every day because it's a very simple you're talking about a simple kind of set up and put down again mm-hmm. um king domino is very very good I'm not sure about queen domino um i've heard it's more complicated because they're expanding the rules but as a as a as a dad to a dad I would say if you've not got that in your collection, it's really, really inexpensive as well. I'm not asking you to put down, um, <clears throat> you know, it's quite easy to say, honey, it's 20 bucks. <laughs> exactly. And it's exactly. and it's educational and mm-hmm. it's good fun and you can have up to, you've got your four players and it teaches them about spatial awareness and orders of numbers and color matching and everything like that. And yeah, I'm that'd not... Be great. Definitely worthwhile checking out. We're going to talk about it on another show uh, in the next couple of weeks, myself and Colin, because we've both played it for the first time um, three, four weeks ago and have loved it so much that I went and got it from my boy. So it's quite good. Um, has that affected your decisions in terms of have you tried to make, have you tried to be thinking about games accessibility then because it seems like <clears throat> i mean look the look the body apart from obviously the rather macabre name to be honest <laughs> the graph i mean the um it's quite a cartoony kind of looking game it's got mm-hmm. kind of quite simple quite pleasing kind of um illustrations on it is is that because you're quite family orientated are you are you are you looking more towards a simpler simpler game than you're then you know, you're kind of your bigger, heavier type Euro type games. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think um, I think we made that decision for a couple of different reasons. Um, uh, as you mentioned, you know, being able to play it with kids is definitely important. And and I and I, I definitely agree the the name loot the body. It, it does. It's got a it's got a little bit of a, an edge to it, but it, it's <laughs> so it's so recognizable for anyone in, you know, kind of the dungeon, dungeon crawl. I think, uh, yeah. I think there's a big market for people that love that genre, but have families yeah. now and maybe don't have time to get out descent or, um, you know, put together a whole, you know, section of minis for zombie side or something like that, or just want to play with their kids, you know, uh, yeah. there's a, a big market for that and a big need for it. So that definitely went into it. The illustration style, um, I, I'm, I'm in love with the work that our, our artist does for it. I love kind of the cartoony style that's there. Um, I intend to use the illustrations in um, a, a follow-up game that's in the, the same universe as, as Loot the Body. Um, so, so I definitely want to keep using it. But yeah, those, those, are, those are big influences on why we went that direction. I mean, let's, um, <clears throat> let's talk about the game. I mean, how did, it, how did it come about? Was it just sitting down one day... But we'll do this, or was it off the back of the other game that you made with your daughter? Or, I mean, what what gave you the idea to say actually this is a good idea? You mentioned D and D, that was a little bit of an influence. But what kind of made you think actually I can do something with this? So I actually I remember the day that I that I first came up with uh, with loot the body, um, and I remember because I woke up with the idea in my head, and I had almost a complete set of rules like that just poured out of me after waking up. So I got my computer, started typing out these rules. Um, and I remember the day because it was the day that we were supposed to go and close on our house. Um, and I remember making us oh, late nice. because I'm typing rules and my wife's trying to get us out the door. <laughs> and I say, no, no, I've got to write this down right now. Um, it worked out. We're not homeless. We, we you know, we, we closed on the house. Um, but I, I remember the day, and um, so it came out. It came out kind of like that, and it was um, it was called Loot the Body from the get go. Some of the original mechanics were a little bit different. There was slapping involved, and the dungeon was set up a little bit differently. I think um, like version wise, um, um, the version that's on Kickstarter is like my my rule sets like eight point five or something like that for different like major revisions to the rules. Yeah. Um, so it was um it was kind of an idea that that came fully formed. It's funny how you get people like that. It just how, how did it come along? It's like well it it wrote itself. I you know I basically I wrote it. I prototyped it. I had the rules down and everything like that. And then kind of a day. And I know some people that take kind of months, years that go from the initial conception actually getting something kind of finished. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, he shall he who shall not be named Chris Davis, um, who I know, <laughs> who 
and those good friends with. Um, <clears throat> I mean, she maybe just very quickly as a quick aside, you did reply to that email and and say that he is, um, yeah, that basically his monsters would, you know, would probably not win in a battle because their muscles were all kind of airbrushed, basically, <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty good. Um, <clears throat> he no, I, I mean, he said it took him six years, basically. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, to kind of put together, um, you know, to put together his his kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you play it? What's you know, take us through the kind of the mechanics. How do you go? How do you how do you play the game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so I'll just start with game setup, right? I mean, you've always got to start there. Um, you've got a set of boss monsters. Um, you pick three of those at random, put them face down on the table, shuffle up all the dungeon cards. Um, you're going to take the dungeon cards, you're going to put four on top of each of those those three boss monsters and put the three stacks together. And just like that, you've got a randomly generated dungeon that's got monsters and traps and treasures and boss monsters in it. Um, so the objective of the game is to survive the dungeon and acquire as much treasure as possible, um, kind of outdoing your friends. Um, at the same time, you're really requiring your friends to play well so that you can survive. So it's got a semi-cooperative element to it. Um, yeah. Everyone's going to get a hand of cards. Their their hands are identical with um, the exception that everyone gets to choose between one of two cards. One's more offensive, one's more defensive. So so there's a little bit of variation. Um, and then um, you jump right into it. The first player flips over the card in the middle, depending on what it is. Um, mm-hmm. you, you place a card face down and then um, you quickly grab a die. Um, and the die is a d20. You're looking, you roll it and you see if it's a one or a 20. If, you know, if it is, you, you get either a bonus or a penalty. Um, but there's one less die than the number of players. So whoever doesn't get a die is going to get a penalty for being too slow. You know, you're, you're so slow. The monster's got a better chance to, to attack you back and things like that. Um, all right. Okay. Okay. So it, it, it goes on like that for the, you know, the 15 cards, um, you have to, to watch out because your your friends, some of their things can damage you. You've got to think quick because the monsters are color-coded. You've got to either – you can play just by matching colors, but but you don't have to just match the um, – like green monsters are the weakest and absolutely any card will hit them. But red monsters are the strongest, and so only red and blue cards hit them. So there's this hierarchy of which cards will hit which monsters, and you're making decisions, you know, do I want to use this weapon that's – you know, going to do a lot of damage right now and get this much loot or don't want to save it and get more loot later. So there's there's a lot of back-end strategy that you have to think through really quickly as you're, as you're going through. Um, if you, you know, if you faint, people, you know, people loot your body. They take loot off of you. Um, <laughs> so there's, you know, there's kind of a, there's, there's, there's additional ways to, to get other loot. Um, but that that's really the whole game is you're you're flipping over the card in the center you're playing fast grabbing a die and and then you know seeing if you destroyed a monster got the treasure or not you you go through 15 15 cards in about 30 minutes depending on how many people are playing and how quick you're playing um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of laughing a lot of uh, a lot of kind of emotional roller coaster if people roll ones or 20s and that kind of thing or you know somebody steals the card you know steals a card from you stuff like that so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of laughing at at the table, a lot of joke telling. So it's it's pretty straightforward. And what's been the? I mean, have you been able to get this kind of play tested? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've um I've taken it around to different conventions around the country. Um, I've got a regular group here in the Atlanta area that um there's a group called the Alpharetta Guild of Geeks, and there's there's about fourteen hundred people in the group and. Um, there are weekly meetings where, you know, everyone gets together and plays games and that kind of thing. So I've done that group. They've played it a bunch. And then I've got other other meetup groups that I use and I take it to and, and get feedback. all. Um, so just kind of all over the country, I've gotten feedback on it. And um, generally things are, are pretty positive. I, I love getting good criticism on whether it's, you know, how to make cards simpler to read or how to make the game easier or something that might, you know, slow down gameplay and um, I'm a I'm a big believer in getting feedback and being responsive to it. Okay, okay. What's I mean, um, you've got in the campaign just now. You are thir- you got two. Well, at this moment, you got 13 days to go. Right. Um, you're about a quarter of the way through the the funding total. 
Is it really, I mean, with the way that Kickstarter is at the moment, is it difficult to have your kind of your project and your voice heard above all the other projects that are there? Has that been has that been a challenge? I would say, yeah, I would say that that's been a big challenge. Um, this Kickstarter, of course, is our our first Kickstarter, so I think that that ties into um, one of the toughest parts of of figuring things out, figuring out the right way to go, and you know mm-hmm. which um which avenues are the the right place to be talking. Do I want to be talking on social media and Facebook, or do I need to be you know spending time figuring out how to use Board Game Geek and make it effective, and which websites are good for ads? Um, so there's you know there's been a lot of learning curve there. Um, through the campaign, excuse me, through the campaign and and getting ready for the campaign. I mean, there's been a lot of good learns. Um, and and I'm happy to say, I mean, yeah, we're, you know, we're at 25% right now. Um, we've got 13 days, you know, if we, the great thing about Kickstarter is if we're not heard, you know, we can take, you know, if we're not heard and we don't, we don't launch, we can take this and use it as a springboard to say, okay, well, what, what do we need to change? What are the big learns from this campaign? What can mm. we improve about the game to make it more appealing and put it back out there, you know, two, three, six months down the road when we're ready to to do that and kind of have a, a bigger community surrounding us? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the strange things. Is I don't think nowadays, and from this is from kind of almost seeing it on such a regular basis, that if a game if a game isn't if a game doesn't fund the kind of the first time, mm-hmm. then that's that's no big thing. <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not a huge thing. And you know what I've seen now and now again and um you know, now again and, and kind of like on a regular basis is there doesn't seem to be a big rhyme or reason why a game funds at one particular time over another particular time. Mm-hmm. I've not I can't put my you know, after speaking to the number of people that I've spoken to kind of running kind of Kickstarter campaigns I still don't have the secret sauce. I could write down <laughs> all the data on Excel spreadsheets and come up with graphs and, and tables and stuff like that. And I still can't, you know, for some people it's like, do you, I've known people that have have not funded, have gone away, have come back six months later and funded within a matter of the first couple of days. On the other hand, I've seen people that have come back three weeks after <laughs> cancelling their campaign and then gone ahead and done kind of like massive, kind of massive kind of numbers. So it's, it's never, I mean, it can be, it can be time and it can be kind of like a, a whole kind of different, different types of reasons. Are you, um, do you, do you back a lot yourself then? I mean, are you, do you back Kickstarter games yourself on a regular basis? I do. Um, I've I've done I think six or seven different uh, different games myself. Um, mm. I I love the ones that I've gotten. I've you know I've got Laser Riders and Five Minute Dungeon, and uh, yeah. I've got one for my wife called um, Underlings of Underwing. It's a color theory game. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, I've heard of Laser Riders because that's um, I think John Gilmore was and Christopher no Christopher Bedell was involved yeah. in. Laser Riders from Sentinels of the the Multiverse, right? right. Um, and Five Minute Dungeon, definitely mm. heard of that because that was that did extremely well. It did. Was yeah. that like was that last kind of last last year as well? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you've um, you've certainly got the kind of like the the reviews and the critical critical side of things. Is it? I mean. Did you? Is it difficult to get kind of people to review the game when you're like a first-time kind of designer developer? Um, it can be difficult, and one of the one of the tricky parts is is making that decision. You know, am I going to go to places that pay, you have to pay for reviews, or am I, do I want people that you don't pay for reviews but typically have yeah. a smaller audience? Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of big decisions to make there. Um, ultimately, I mean, we did a little bit of both. We, you know, we went with, um, you know, we went with Father Geek and, um, I got to tell you, I was, I was really nervous about, about theirs because, um, it was kind of coming down to the wire for our Kickstarter and, um, it's like, oh, we don't, you know, we'll, we'll release the review. And it was like, it was being released the day that we were, <laughs> we were starting the Kickstarter. And I'm thinking, you know, he, he can be brutally honest, you know, 
um, Cyrus, he can be brutally honest with games. And if he doesn't like it, he says it. I'm, you know, I told my wife, I was like, he's going to come out and he's going to hate it. And he's going to blast the game and <laughs> it's going to ruin everything. And no one will ever want to read it on the, you know, I won't have any, any time to do anything about it. And did you, um, uh, did you replace the carpet that you worn out kind of pacing back and forward <laughs> waiting for the game? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And, um, but, but, you know, we were pleasantly, you know, we were very pleasantly surprised that, you know, they gave us their seal of approval where, you know, the, the, the children liked it, the parents liked it, the, the hardcore intense gamers liked it. Um, and they were even playing, um, they were playing an older prototype version, um, before it got slimmed down into, uh, you know, an easier to play game, uh, the way that it is now. Um, so we were, you know, we were very pleased with just the great things they had to say about it. Um, mm-hmm. But reviews, yeah, reviews can definitely be tricky. I mean, who to go to, um, you know, doing it in advance because all the reviewers getting so many people, you know, they're booked so far in advance. Um, you yeah. really have to, to get ahead on that. Um, it's a big learning I curve. Mean, I mean, was this, I mean, the reviews, did you, did you, were you doing kind of like, pay, you know, um, print and play copies or were you, had you got actual kind of full prototypes kind of ready mm-hmm. to send out to reviewers? So I've I've got what what I call um, review prototypes. Um, I, I I'm big on having the aesthetics look good. Um, I like I, one of the big things for me being brand new is I, I wanted people to know that we're serious about what we're doing. You know I'm yeah. not sending out construction paper for you know for somebody to play and that type no. of thing, which is fine. Some people you know so that works for some people, and that's what they've got as prototypes, especially if they're established. You know. Um, but I wanted to be able to show off our art. I think our art's a, a big selling point of the game. It's a, a very unique style. Um, so I, I did bigger copies. I used the game crafter to, you know, to print, you know, professional grade, uh, cards for the game and send them out. It cost me about, it's usually like $35 a copy for the review copies. So I've definitely invested some yeah. cash in there. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that what you've noticed from being on this in first hand is, I take it with you having to get the art and having to get the prototype copies, you've actually needed to kind of make an investment. You can't just turn up with an idea and say, okay, I've got this game idea, guys. Here's some basic stuff. Give me some money, kind of, yeah. please. Yeah, I think I think Kickstarter was like that probably seven or eight years ago. You could probably get away with that when they were pretty new. But but now you do have to have something that's a bit more polished, and you have to you have to show that you're willing to put the work. I think people have been burned too many times from "Hey, I've got this idea." Um, <laughs> no. And uh, so you you have to you have to show that you've got a product ready, and that's that's been our big thing is saying, "Hey, you know, we've got we've got a product that's ready to ship to the printers." I've got you know, um, and I've been lucky as well. I do a lot of demo work with Yellow. Um, at their conventions and things oh, like that. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've had a lot of opportunity to spend time with different executives in the board game industry and ask them about logistics companies and, you know, get recommendations for this printer or that printer. And, um, you know, so, so really an inside look at a lot of the, the board game industry, um, has been really helpful in the process. Um, and I think now the Kickstarter, having done the Kickstarter and, and being in the middle of it, I've got a much better idea of that and how we'll, you know, move forward not only with um, Loot the Body, but also kind of the follow up games. Um, our, our next game, like I said earlier, it's in the same universe um, yeah. as as Loot the Body. So there'll be, you know, some crossover with the art. Um, and then I've actually, um, you know, I've got some giveaways I want to do with, with some of the art and I've got... Um, I've actually even got a book that I'm working on in the same universe too. So it's all kinds of stuff. Is there, um, I mean, with other games that you're planning, I mean, do you have the, the big box dungeony type crawler thing? Do you have the RPG there? Is there, is there a, is there a worker placement game there, Jason? I mean, have you so, got all these kind of different ideas kind of <laughs> bubbling under? Yeah, so the um the follow up game actually is more like an RPG, but it um mm-hmm. um kind of hails back to the classic um the classic like Final Fantasy games. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a it's a cooperative game where you're exploring a map and you have to achieve different plot points as a group on a, a variable map and encounters come up and you have to level up your characters together. 
um, mm-hmm. to survive and that type of thing. Um, and, and every time you play, it'll be a little bit of a different experience. And we're still we're still prototyping that one out and kind of working on the mapping system and things. But it's um, it is going to be a little bit of a bigger game. Is it? I mean, I take, I mean, there must be a lot more design time going to something like that. I mean, because you're not just thinking, well, here's your rules. This is how you play it. Uh, and that's it. You kind of going to look to kind of different variables and stuff like that when you're when you're mm-hmm. putting together the kind of the RPG side of things. Absolutely, and different you know storylines and and history and and all that kind of stuff. And um, so yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a bigger design process. And and we've got some other smaller projects we want to work on too. We've got an area control game that we're we're working on as well. It's uh, have you? I don't know if you, you said you've got kids. I don't know if you guys have ever played like the like the lava game at home. Where, like, you I don't have phone. that. No. The um, well, so it's not a so it's not like a board game, but it's um like where you, the kids pretend oh, like the floor yeah, is yeah, lava. Yeah, the floor is lava. Yeah. 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 So we're yeah, working my, on a, yeah. we're working on a board game version of that. It's an area control, and you wow. you hop around in the different portions of the furniture as the yeah. and everyone's a kid, and you're hopping around on the furniture, and you're trying to to gain control of different areas as the lava's rising. Um, so that's another kind of um, mid-sized game that we're working on as well. So we've we've definitely got you know different projects underway. My kid watches um, a YouTuber called Kid City, mm-hmm. uh, and they do the floor is lava yep. <laughs> all the time. So I know exactly what you mean by the floor is lava because sometimes when I'm out with my son at the park, we just I'll just look at him and go floor is lava, and you see him. Everybody jumps up. <laughs> Latest bit of kind of like latest, latest kind of like play equipment. Is there um is there a much heavier kind of more serious game for yourself as well? I mean, are you? I mean, you mentioned obviously the RPG, but are you? Have you also got the kind of the big box game which everybody, you know, seems to have inside them and wanting to put together? Um, I don't. I don't have one that I'm working on right now that's a big box game. Um. I think the biggest project we've got right now is a um, is actually a project that's a multi-game project. Um, it's a All modular. Right, okay. It's a it's a modular system. Um, so you get the you get the one box and then you actually get expansions to it. Um, okay. All and they're all based on kind of a 16-bit universe. Um, so you've oh. got uh, there's a side scroller and there's um, and there's a fighting game, different things, and so we're looking at ways to turn one game into, you know, four or five different games. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, as far as B team goes, the B team is going to keep on, keep on going. Is is it just the B team? Does it just become from? Obviously, it's yourself and your wife, so it's the base team. Yeah, exactly. It is. Is that? Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so the B team's kind of been a joke uh, among the the family for a long time. Where we, um, you know, we we call ourselves, hey, you know, B team, load up in the van. In fact, we're, our, we've got a we've got a little van, and we call it the B team bus. But um, uh, but that, but yeah, we that's how we started out. That's how we got the name, and it's kind of it's kind of a play, you know, as well, because you don't think of you know the B team's like, oh, that's the B team, but I'm like, no, we're 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 gonna own it. We're the, the B team because we're B for best, right? And um, that's right. And so we we've kind of owned that, and I'm and I'm you know I'm working on bringing other people into it. I've got some some other friends. Um, Atlanta's a a good area for a lot of different game designers and things like that. So I've got some other designers that I'm looking to to bring on board and and help design some of the upcoming titles. Was um, Pax Unplugged? That wasn't near you guys at all. That was was that Philly? Yeah, that was Philly. Pax. I was there though. Were you? Oh, mm-hmm. are you demonstrating as well? I, yeah, I did some I did some demos and um and then also um worked with Yellow there. Oh cool. So what kind of things were you demonstrating? I mean what kind of things were you demonstrating with Yellow then? Uh so with Yellow we were just kind of showing off the new titles. Um I actually spent most of the weekend doing Giant King of Tokyo. I don't know if you've you've been to any of the cons where they have the giant King of Tokyo, but um man, I love seeing kids play with that thing. <laughs> they they pick up these pieces of these monsters that are you know, the same size they are, and they're moving them around. They've got these dice that are the size of small soccer balls, and uh, they're flinging them all over the place. It's uh, just <laughs> the joy on their faces, and people say, oh, it's giant King of Tokyo, and so it's a, it's a lot of fun. There is only one thing better than King of Tokyo, which would be giant King of Tokyo. I think the only other thing I've seen which is giant is 
I think it's that giant Takenoko, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, Luke Hector, who's a friend of the show, he he says, I've got Takenoko. I've got Deluxe Takenoko. I've now got giant Deluxe Takenoko. <laughs> and this panda's <laughs> like... This panda's like the size of a small dog. <laughs> you, you know, you don't put it away in a box. You put it in like a pen when you finish with it. This thing's mm-hmm. so huge. And the bamboo, he's just using that. It's just real bamboo. They don't even bother making that <laughs> stuff out of plastic. They just actually deliver real canes of bamboo that you can connect together and everything like that as well. So it's kind of so it's kind of cool. With um, okay, with us entering into the season of um regretful sales decisions after Black Friday and heading into <laughs> <laughs> and heading into the joyous month that is December, we will no doubt be advertised in various kind of ways. Um is there games that you mentioned obviously you'll you'll go and spend some family time. Did the did the family still play a lot of board games? I mean, will you be meeting everybody for Christmas dinner and be taking a couple of you know, I asked you to bring the after dinner mints. It's like Jason says he's brought the cardboard instead. So, <laughs> yeah, my uh, my family tends to pick on me a little bit because I always bring games to our different events. Um, our our family we're getting together with my my wife's family for Christmas, and um, Ooh, okay. So we'll we'll be renting a house together, and I'll be taking a few games over there, and I try and I try and mix it up at different levels. You know, I try I'll bring stuff stuff like Sheriff of Nottingham or or Dixit and kind of stuff like that, and then um, I try and sneak in something a little bit you know something a little bit heavier where I can. <laughs> Um, Twilight Imperium. <laughs> well, maybe not that heavy. Um, you know, you've got to you you've got to know your audience, right? <laughs> exactly. So, what I do with this ship again? You move it. What I do with this one? Or oh, then we all sit around for four hours and get confused with the rules. Oh, is this a fantasy flight game? You got that right. Um, <laughs> that's you know that's 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 their thing, isn't it? They they love uh, they love big board games at Fantasy Flight. I I was playing uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, Star Wars with my with one of my buddies recently, and we um we spent probably three hours playing through the first you know scenario. It's like it's got the these are the rules, but here's here's what you should do when you play it the first time. That's when you know you're in trouble. Is when you've got a different set of rules for we're gonna really dumb this down for you for the first time you play it. Um, and then we get done with it. And um and I, I tell you what, I was the rebels and I hated it the whole time. I was like, I wanted to like go in there and do space battles and all kinds of stuff and I was like, I've gotta run away all the time and I'm all excited, <laughs> like, Oh, I got I got two new ships this and he's like, Oh, I got seventeen. Um uh, but I won, so it was okay. I was okay with it after that. But Was that um, was that rebellion? <laughs> it was, yeah. And um That takes up that takes up some table space. It I mean does, I've seen it people- does. I've seen people kind of open it up and say, no, no, need the bigger table. Okay, okay, well, I'll do this. <laughs> no, you're going to need to move your glass. Okay, okay, well, we're going to put it down at the edge. No, no, you're going to need to move your glass and everything you own out of <laughs> the, the kitchen. To the other room, yeah. <laughs> to the other, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just move to the side because if you see people set up and it's about the board, it must be about six feet long. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like a grown man can pretty much lie. You know, if you've got a back complaint, you can go and lie down on Star Wars Rebellion, and it'll sort you out if you sleep on the Star Wars Star Wars Rebellion board overnight. Yeah. I mean, no, I want to see, see that at a convention in a giant size, like just just the whole exhibit <laughs> hall, just one giant Star Wars. Rebellion. Just one cool thing. I remember ages ago I had an idea about having Star Wars Rebellion in one room, then Star Wars Amada in another room. And then Star Wars X-Wing in another room. And then Star Wars Imperial Assault in one more table. And then finally a game of Star Wars Destiny. And what you did is it would just last for years. You basically moved up and down the tables depending on what you were doing. So if you're doing like a big cruiser battle, you'd be in Armada. If you were deciding you were just down on the planet and you were fighting soldier against soldier, you would play Destiny. And then if you were wanting to go back to the main story, everybody would shuffle off up to Star Wars Rebellion. And I just don't have either the room space or the patience or the friends to do that. <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine that? Do you want to come a, down and a, play? That's a quick points? way to run out of all three. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's really difficult to set up as a newly divorced man in your own place that's got enough space to swing a cat. Let's be, perf- <laughs> let's be perfectly kind of honest. Um, so, <laughs> so just to recap, 
13 days to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are over 25% of your funding target. Um, the quick elevator pitch, Jason, why should people consider chucking a buck in for loot the body? Yeah, absolutely. Go. So if you are looking for a dungeon crawl but don't have the time or energy to put one together, check out Loot the Body. It's a semi-cooperative, fast-paced strategy card game with a hint of dexterity. Um, it's a lot of laughs, a lot of fun, and we all know looting the body is the best part of every adventure. Now it's the whole game. <laughs> That's perfect. That'll do. That'll do. And one thing that we do ask everybody is, okay, here you go. You're in a dungeon. This is a sp- I'm going to tailor this question specifically for you, Jason, okay? Okay. You're, you, you are in the treasure room of a dungeon, okay? You've defeated, you've defeated the dragon, or what, you, or, or what you assume was the dragon. But actually what you've defeated is you've defeated the baby dragon and his mother is about to come home and basically melt you into a soft, wet, greasy splodge. However, the dragon, instead of sleeping on gold, has decided over its time to amass a large, amazingly huge collection of cardboard of various board games to the point where it has every single board game that's ever existed on its big pile. Now, the dragon is going to appear in roughly about two minutes. And you can take with you, because you want to be running as quickly as possible, you can take with you, there's a small trolley set off to the side which can fit three games in it. Now, those three games, you can have any games at all. It can be any number of expansions, it can be any versions or editions of any games. But before Mama Dragon lands down and makes you into a vice fricassee, what three games do you run off with, Jason? What do you take with you? Let's see. Um, with me, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up uh, I'm gonna pick up Arcadia Quest. Okay, it's a good choice. Yeah, I'm gonna pick up um, I'm gonna go and pick up Pandemic. Um, we'll, we'll say the Legacies. We'll say Pandemic Legacies. A real a uh, real real new experience. And then um, man, number three. What to do for number three? Oh, I'm afraid the dragons just. Flying overhead. She's looking really, <laughs> really annoyed. Tell you what, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and snag King of Tokyo because it's a it's a it's a uh, crowd pleaser. Absolutely excellent. Well, you shall you shall grab them. You run down the corridor. You make it outside the cave, and uh, you're home free. <laughs> um, for people that are wanting, that have listened to it and said, well, I'm very, very interested in finding out more about this. Where do you exist on the interweb nets, Mr. Yeah. Bice? So we're on, uh, we're on Twitter. We're at B-Team Games. Uh, okay. We're on Facebook. It's just facebook.com forward slash roll rumble loot. And then okay. uh, we've got our own website. It's just thebteamgames.com. Okay. Excellent. And um, we, will, we will make sure that we put these in the show notes so that we have notes to show. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're doing, and we are really grateful for everybody that does, thank you very, very much. You can find us by going on to Twitter, which is We're Not Wizards. You can go and find us on Facebook. Guess what? We're Not Wizards. You can go to um, Instagram. Guess where we are, Jason? Uh, something about wizards, I bet. Yeah, yeah, we are not wizards yet. <laughs> um, you can go on to YouTube and our lovely hosts, Podbean, automatically put all our episodes in YouTube for us. But if you want to find us the normal way, if you search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast, you will find us there. You will find us on Spreaker. You'll find us on Stitcher. You will find us on Acast. As we say, we always give a little shout out to Podknife, who always kind of... Uh, they lovingly support us and occasionally give us a shout out as well, which is always very, very nice. Um, if you have liked what you've listened to tonight, check out Jason's game. Um, if you like even more, jump on the Apple Podcasts and please consider giving us a subscription as well. If you like us even more than that, please consider giving us a rating or a review. And if you are going to give us a review, remember, 
don't give us a 10 because that makes us big-headed. But on the other hand, don't give us a 1 because that makes us cry. Give us something in the middle, like a 5, because it's average and we are decidedly average. But the person who's not been average is the rather... We were going to put him in the A team, but we prefer to keep him in the B team. It's the rather fantastic, the rather wonderful Mr. Jason Bice. So thank you very much for coming on, sir. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. And uh, best of luck with the campaign as well. Now, there is only two more things to do. And the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Jason? I don't think so. Definitely not. We are dungeon explorers looking to take down some bad guys and maybe have a pilfering around the pockets if we defeat them. Um, And the second thing is to say goodbye. So once again, thank you for coming on, Jason. Um, Check out his campaign, Loot the Body, about 13 days to go by the time this goes out. Um, But it's a big goodbye from Jason. Goodbye, guys. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and uh, we shall be back very, very soon indeed. But until the next time, bye-bye.